My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Sue Ashford is a professor at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business, where she has served as Senior Associate Dean, Faculty Director of the Executive MBA Program, and Area Chair of the Management and Organizations Group. Sue researches leadership development and effectiveness, persuasion, job insecurity, and individual proactivity, and currently she is researching how to thrive in the gig economy, which is the topic of this episode. Sue's research has been covered in the Harvard Business Review, the Washington Post, and New York Magazine, among others, and Sue has served on the editorial board of the premier academic journal in management. In 2002, Sue was named a fellow of the Academy of Management, recognizing the top 1% of scholars in the Global Professional Association of 20,000 professors and practitioners. In 2017, Sue was awarded the prestigious Career Achievement Award, and in 2020, Sue won the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Academy of Management. As a teacher, Sue focuses on negotiation skills and persuasion, and also teaches in two programs aimed at accelerating careers for women, Ascending to the C-Suite Program for Inforum and the Leading Women Executives Program in Chicago. Prior to joining Michigan, Sue was a professor at Dartmouth, and she received her master's degree and PhD from Northwestern University. In short, Sue is an academic superstar. I hope you enjoy learning from Sue Ashford today, because I certainly did. Sue, it's, it's great to chat with you today. We have a mutual friend in Julia Lee Cunningham. I'm grateful to her for putting us in touch, and I'm grateful to you for sharing a few minutes with me today. Delighted to be here. Sue, as you think back on your research, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others? I actually can give you four, and they all come right. from one study. And the study was a study we did of people who have to create their own life out of nothing. They're not part of an organization that tells them what to do, that gives them colleagues to coordinate with, um, you know, sets up the routines of their day, organizes them in any way. They just have to do it on their own. These are people who work independently outside of organizations, might be independent consultants, analysts, writers, editors, graphic designers, all sorts of people. We now call it the gig economy. Um, And I'm talking about this research project where people at the sort of high end of the gig economy, high end of skill and autonomy. And what we found after interviewing them uh, is that there's four things that people who were, had most effective lives as an independent did And I think what they did can also be good advice for us in managing our own lives. So I'll tell you the four. One was they formed a connection to other people. They made sure that they weren't just working alone. And I think that's a great takeaway for all of us that there is power in other people, uh, power in connecting to them, power in getting information that they have, seeing their perspective. You literally don't know where your next creative idea will come from, your next path down a a particular road that you're on will come from. And it might come from a random person you meet on a random occasion, but there's power in connecting to other people. The second was a connection to place. We don't always think about the place where we do a lot of our work and how we can make that place more meaningful for us. But the independent workers who did best 
gave that some thought. Some of them made it uh, such that it helped them to feel more creative if their tasks were creative. Others set it up so that they feel more powerful when they then had to go out into the world and you know uh, compete in the marketplace. But thinking thoughtfully about your workspace in a way that gives you well-being and also amps up your performance is something you can control that can make a difference. The third was uh, routines, or if you wanted to put it in a P word, it would be practices. But um, getting routines to work for you and make your life easier. Um, so the people who work independently would often you know, leave a, a task halfway done at the end of the day. So then when they came in in the morning, they could just jump into that easy halfway done task and then they'd be on their way to a productive day. Uh, some people had ways of getting into work and then out of work and into their home life, you know, certain routines. But the more you can routinize, the better off you can be because you don't have to think so hard. You don't want to routinize everything because that's not creative but you can create some routines that help you. And then the final was a connection to purpose. People who had a sense of the why that underlay their work, why they're doing what they're doing, why they're doing the consulting they're doing, why they're making the art they're making, why they're doing the writing they're doing, had a, a sense that allowed them to decide what clients to take, what clients to ignore, but also gave them a sense of um, you know, motivation when things got tough. So if you understand the why in your work, whatever your work might be, even if it's in an organization, that can be super helpful to you. So these are lessons I pass on to my kids sometimes. Well, think about that place where you're doing the gig work you're doing. Um, I pass on to other people. Think about what is the why behind the work that you do. Why does it matter to you? And something I use in my own life, you know, my goal of trying to help people to be maximally effective in their organizational lives has sustained an entire career for me. And when things get tough or I get scared about doing certain things, I think about that underlying purpose and it helps me to be braver and also feel more motivated. So that's four things that I would pass along based on that one study. Oh, these are great. So I've been thinking a lot about frameworks recently. So in consulting and then even just talking with students when they, you know, ask for help thinking about their career and rather than, you know, give them a personality test and try to predict or, or try to tell them, you know, which field to go in, I, I try to think of what framework would be helpful. So one of those frameworks that I talk about is, you know, autonomy, mastery and purpose. And I really like this framework, especially because the gig economy is, is you know, probably not going anywhere in the near term. Um, maybe quickly, we could just touch on each of these then. So forming a connection to other people, you know, research shows that uh, the quality of our relationships is one of the strongest predictors of our happiness, right? Uh, so I think that's a, it's a really important piece that I could imagine as a gig worker, it can be easy to underappreciate. We just think like, oh, we have all this autonomy. So, uh, and, and I'm not part of this organization. So maybe I, I just like to go alone or I, or I can go alone. But I think this is really important that your work shows that even if you're part of this gig economy working independently, it's still important to connect with people. 
Yeah, we can get so busy just doing the tasks that make up our lives. A week can go by without you having a significant human contact with anyone. So and I think that's true in the gig economy and, and it can be true in the work world as well. Yeah. So just remembering the, the real value, both for your mental health, but also for your the tasks you're doing, the productivity you're experiencing, that kind of thing can matter. You know, one of the themes of this podcast is focusing on underappreciated lessons. And I think that's, you know, a perfect fit for this is we can underappreciate as, as we get going in our work, you know, especially with COVID. Like, I think there was one point where I didn't leave the house basically for a week, part of it because I was sick. Uh, but the the way the workforce has changed has allowed us to become more isolated. And then connection to place. So as you think about your workspace, how, how do you think about this Uh when you're doing your work, and maybe it's not entirely relevant to you because you're part of an organization, but then again, as professors, we do have quite a bit of autonomy in how we go about our work. No, I'm very lucky. I have my own office, and I've had it for you know over a decade in this rendition because uh, we've changed buildings, but it is a place of extreme joy for me and, and creativity. I look around, and there are you know uh, people that matter to me are prominently featured in photos, uh, products that I've created, you know, um, like a worksheet that goes with uh, something I, I enjoy teaching is featured on the wall, thank you notes I've gotten, art that people have made and given me. Um, so yeah, it is both set up for efficiency, but it's set up to evoke my best self. Um, and that's what I want to bring with me into the work that I do. So I, I love my office. I came here during the pandemic, um, but you know, it's a, you know, a lot of people don't want to go back. I, I love it. It really tells me who I am and what I should be doing every day. So for somebody who goes to like a Starbucks, does your research show that that can still be effective for them? Or do you find that um, it's important for people to, go to more of an office type setting? Yeah, I don't have data on that. I know a lot of people, my husband is exactly that person. He goes to um, a, a place every day with a lot of noise and bustle and that's what he likes. So I think it's just finding the place that works for you. But again, it's being thoughtful about it rather than, you know, so many of us started the pandemic and we just worked on a bed in the back bedroom months because we always thought it was going to be over in 14 yeah. days and uh you know that is what you don't want to do just do something that just is is rote but but to the extent that you are able to craft the place to be something that is evocative of your best self take that chance and do it that's great. So being thoughtful about it sounds like kind of the most important aspect there. In terms of routines, this reminds me of a study with mice. They're dropped into a tea maze. There's cheese up at the top left. They're dropped into the bottom. And over time, you know, the, the, they've, they've got sensors connected to their brains and the researchers are monitoring brain activity and they're scratching and they're sniffing and the brain's exploding with activity. But over time, their brains start, start thinking less and less as they become more, as their habits form to go find the cheese. And I, I think there's a lot of value in just having uh, a routine that we can go into autopilot so we don't have to use kind of our motivation or uh, draw on our kind of will to get work done. I agree. But, but the danger is trying to, is taking that too far. 
Like I am a person who loves a straight line between A and B, very efficient. Let's, but you can get so efficient that you have no random happenings in your life, you know, and uh, you can get so routinized that that's not good either, you know. So you want to routinize things that you know are good to get routinized, and then leave a lot of creative play potential as well. Yeah, great. So finding the right balance there. Well, lastly, then you said connection to purpose. I asked my students in ethics to um, uh, share what do they want to accomplish in life. And oftentimes there's, you know, a handful that just really want to make a lot of money and retire. And to the degree that they're doing that to create connections and contribute in the world in other ways, maybe that's a great approach. But I think when the approach is just make money, I think long-term that's not the recipe for satisfaction or overall well-being and happiness. That's what we found with these high-end um, independent workers that, you know, if you're just out to make money, you take any consulting assignment that comes along, even though you're no longer learning and growing and doing that kind of assignment, or, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, you could do so much more. The ones that have identified the difference they want to make, say, in the organizations they're consulting to, are so much more full of life. And they're inspired themselves and they inspire the people around them. And it just seems like life on a higher plane if you can get there. And, you know, as I said, personally, I've just found it's really helped my life to have that sense of purpose. You know, it's not that dramatically different than. I don't do anything that dramatically different than anyone who is a professor who wasn't connected to that sense of purpose. But I think I feel differently as I do it. And I'm hoping that I have more impact because of that. Well, Sue, these are awesome lessons. This is a great framework that I look forward to using, applying, sharing with my students, my children. I just want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, I will say when I was in high school, the very first recruiting football letter I got was from Michigan. Uh, I um, applied to Michigan Law School and was admitted, almost attended there, applied for a postdoc at Michigan at Ross, um, interviewed there. So I've always felt connected to Michigan. They they came and played uh, Notre Dame when I was there and my wife and I were there sitting right next to the band and we love the Michigan fight song. So thank you for coming on today and go blue. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nickels and Dimes. I love the framework that Sue shared today for how to thrive in the gig economy. First, connect with other people. There is power in connecting with other people, in seeing their perspective, and in generating new ideas. We can get so busy with our work that we don't take time for significant human connection. So remember the value, both for your mental health and productivity, of connecting with other people. Second, connect with a place. Be thoughtful about the place you choose to work. For Sue, she has created a place that inspires her, full of carefully chosen pictures, thank you notes, and products she has created. Her chosen place reminds her who she is and what she should be doing. Third, create a routine. By creating routines, we make work and life easier for us. The more we can routinize, the better off we can be because we don't have to think so hard. Of course, we shouldn't take this too far and eliminate all randomness from our lives, but those who thrive in the gig economy establish routines. Fourth, connect to a purpose. Having a purpose helps us choose work that will maximize our well-being rather than just maximize our income. By having a purpose, we also increase our motivation and inspire ourselves and others. In summary, to thrive in the gig economy, remember the framework of people, place, routine, and purpose. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously.
Nate Mickle here with three quick requests. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's Notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. And finally, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thanks for your support.